I'm sorry, I, I got all excited. Yeah. Third Degree, the podcast is brought to you by Soccer90.com. Explore their vast collection of FC Dallas Premier League and U.S. national team gear, jersey, scarves, tees, and hat, and beyond. Soccer90 has got it all. The new FC Dallas Afterburner kit and North Texas kit. Enjoy 20% off with the code Third Degree at checkout, both online and in the store. Code Third Degree, 20% off. Some exclusions do apply. And this episode is brought to you by the Lindstrom Law Firm. For wills, trusts, probates, and business law, call 469-515-2559 or visit lindstromlawfirm.com for a free consultation. Well, hello there, FC Dallas Curious fan. Welcome to the 29th season of Major League Soccer and episode 251 of Third Degree, the podcast. Hi, I'm Peter, and look who's back. It is our very own Dan Crook. Howdy, Dan. All right. Why are we doing this at, what, 3.36 in the morning? (laughs) (laughs) Dan, I've been dying to ask you this question the last few days. In general, do the English understand how ridiculous the phrase gardening leave is? Um, yes. Okay, good. I want to make sure I mean, that's agreed. The, the fun one was when uh, Ian Holloway got fired by, ooh, I think it was QPR, and he was on a on gardening leave for a month. And, <laughs> you know, I mean, for anyone that's familiar with mid-10s, Premier League, you know, uh, Ian Holloway is uh, one of the more eccentric characters. So the idea of him running around uh, running around his backyard planting pansies would be hilarious. <laughs> it's such a weird phrase. I don't know. I'm sure there's some history to it that makes sense, but in its application of uh, paying somebody to do nothing, it just cracks me up. And also now time to introduce your hero, my hero, everybody's hero in his 29th season. Mm, 27th, but thank you. Oh, sorry. Uh, it is the editor, founder, and the original soccer influencer, the amazing Buzz Carrot. Come in, Buzz. Hey, fellas. Uh, Dan, I have to know, what was Tracy Chapman like in person? Is she cool? I have no idea what you're on. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's a i'm trying to figure out if i think that's a stretch but i mean have you not looked at the pictures i can kind of see oh my god dude yeah do you think you look like luke combs the country superstar dan i I don't even know the fuck that that means nothing to me Uh, i know who chasey chapman is obviously yeah but he wasn't Um, here when the grammys took place so he may not be aware of what happened because he was at the grammys singing i I, I know tracy chapman i know in discord i keep seeing some pictures of a fat white guy with uh, (laughs) with facial hair but his is fucking orange (laughs) mine's gray (laughs) yeah hey by the way uh shout out to turner humphrey who's the draft pick that Dallas picked, you know, he, he's he a fat him. white guy with no, a beard. No, oh. he was, he's, he's with, right now he's no, with yeah. North Texas, but the shout out is to Tony Humphrey's mom 
who sat with me in the stands for a good 45 minutes. We had a delightful conversation. Yeah, I bet you did. Yeah, she's a, she's a lovely, lovely person. And the funny bit was that before the game, like they were all kind of huddled up on that same sideline, and she tried to wave at him and say hello, and he totally cold sold, ignored <laughs> the fact that she was there. Like, I am totally not waving at my mom. And like the first scrimmage game of the season. That's an yeah. awesome story. Uh, yeah, she was so delightful to talk to, but uh, – we, I was standing next to her when she tried to wave at him, and he just was like, like didn't even. Bob, quit! Yeah. Go he totally away. like ran away. It's so funny. Yeah. Uh, next week, Buzz power ranks yeah. by appearance. That's right. Buzz gives us our fa- his five favorite FC Dallas moms. You know, the funny thing is, is like you and you and I, and maybe Dan probably too, would find her exactly like the same age and the same sort of understanding of us as the world because her kid is now, you know, a 21 year old professional, just like if you and I had kids, Peter there, you know, we're both 50, you know? So it's like, I found her to be a very normal person and a very, you know, great conversationalist. And we, we chatted the whole first half. It was fun. Did she know who did you just happen to, uh, did she know who third, what third degree is? No. Well, she didn't when I first met her, um, but somebody told her who I was. And so, uh, you know, we just chatted a little bit about the team. You know, she would, she didn't make a big deal about it. She would, but she was quite nice. I told her about the podcast and the website. So she, hopefully she's listening. So, All right. Yeah. It was funny, that, but I, I just wanted to tell the story because of the, when she tried to wave at him and say hello, and he just was like, he wasn't having it. <laughs> he just totally ignored her. Yeah. Well, hello mom. Thanks for listening. If you're out there somewhere on a, podcast player all right well here we are guys season 2024 is here and uh it starts here in the next couple of days depending on when somebody is listening to this we're recording it on thursday evening or for dan early early friday morning as he suggested we got lots to discuss Uh, we've got uh, the dc game the last final preseason game we've got uh, some predictions to do and of course kit talk and I think Dan's going to report back from uh, the referee protest or strike or whatever they're calling it these days. I don't know where you want to start, but do you want to just quickly review the uh, DC United friendly? Yeah, there's, it's not really very important to talk about it other than the fact that once again, it was the 3-4-3 or 3-4-2-1, whatever you like to call that thing. Uh, it was that same formation again. That's the really most important part. I will say that from the part I was able to watch, Dante Seeley was looking a little passive again, like I don't like to see from him. Um, but then he also hit an absolute banger of a free kick that the keeper had to make a really great save to keep out. So, uh, And the funny thing about that uh, is, is that I asked Coach Nico Estevez, I said, did you know that Dante Seeley had this free kick game? And he's like, no, I had no idea. He never does it in training. He doesn't practice it. We never see him before. All of a sudden he's banging in goals. So, yeah, because he hit. A, I, we saw him hit a pretty good yeah. one in Spain, didn't we? Yeah, he had two of them in Spain, and he almost had a third one in the DC game. So, wow. you know, it's just all of a sudden the kids like just hey, look, magic! Look what I found a free kick game. So that's well, kind how of did, a fun. Thing. How did they discover he was? Was he just starting to? Do, if he didn't do it in practice, how did it come about that he started taking them? I, I assume he just was like, I'm taking this one. You know, I mean, he's. It was probably from the side of the field where he's a left-footed player, so it was a, probably a situation that lined up for him and he whoever was on the field he talked to him and to let him try it i guess because i didn't really ask him that part but like you know it was it's a surprise pretty much to everybody that he has it so i mean great addition they haven't had a great free kick taker probably like shot on goal free kick taker since maybe michelle 
was the yeah. last one. Well, he's, uh, you know, Velasco's okay at it, but he's not great at it by any means. You know, and so Sealy's at least in that same neck of the woods, in my opinion, as Velasco, having now had two out of three go in, you know. That's a really, it's, that's uh, actually an interesting trivia question. Who are the great free kick takers of Dallas? Well, Michelle was good. Christ was really good at yeah, it. Yeah. We're Michelle, forgetting somebody. Kellen Acosta. Was Kellen good? I don't remember that. Yeah. But Michelle for sure was. Um, I don't remember, like, David Ferreira. I don't remember being good at it, per se. We're forgetting somebody. One that he scored. Yeah, but that's not, like, consistently, like, you know, every time Jason Christ got one within 30 yards, it was a very dangerous goal scoring opportunity. And same with Michelle. You know, it's like that, that second level. I'm drawing a blank on anybody between them. Those two guys. Those yeah, the there's two. somebody else. That's we're all gonna kick our. I at least Buzz and I are gonna kick ourselves in the middle of the night. Wake up and go. God, yeah, yeah, it was yeah. this guy. Maybe I'll come the rest of the podcast. We'll think of who yeah, it was. Maybe, maybe. Um, okay, so and what was the result of the DC game? I forget now because obviously I didn't two see nothing? it. Two nothing. Two yeah. nothing. I think for Dallas. Remember? Hey, did I hear right that they sold full price tickets to that thing? Yeah, I think they were twenty five bucks each. I think you I don't know. understand that. I don't. I don't either. Well, is I mean, that a? You know, is that a? We got to cover our nut to staff the place kind of thing. I don't know, and they didn't stream it either. So you know, it's kind of silly. It's like I, if you're going to sell tickets, why not then stream it? You know, because if you're letting some people see it, why not let everybody see it? So yeah. I, I don't know what's going on sometimes with those kinds of things. I mean, honestly. You know, I thought it was crazy that you don't sell those preseason tickets for like five bucks or something. You know, just to, you know, once you open the gates to some people, you might as well pack it out as much as you can. Yeah. So I don't know what the theory is. I mean, I assume there's uh Don't assume uh, there's a theory. Yeah, fair. Yeah. Fair. All right. All right. Well, Buzz, can I tell you, um, as we get into training report and the big discussion of formations, mm. that every time I see you or the good Steve Davis, or some national pundit, put this new formation on paper. Yeah, I get really, really nervous about this season. Do you? Yeah, there's just i i don't I don't understand. There's i I think I understand in theory what they're trying, what Nico's trying to achieve, but it it feels to me there are so many question marks and there are so many weak spots that I, I that this this roster contains that almost are maximized or uh poked upon by going in this formation versus something else so three center backs with the bad center back situation mm-hmm. um you're asking wing backs we play in dallas in the hot one of the hottest climates and now you're going to ask two people to run up and down the field and do all that work and probably the people that are most suited for that are some of your least experienced and youngest players for a position that takes yeah. a lot of tactical acumen and smarts, right? And then the next piece of that would be the reliance on two guys whose, his, whose current injury situation to me, I think at best is mysterious. Paxton still being out after a knee scope. I'm maybe that's fine. It just seems like that's been going on for a long time. And then lastly, the Jesus question, which is why hasn't he had surgery on that thing? Every time he's played, the last few times he's played, it feels like to me he's hurt it again. 
and is just purely resting it the solution to that problem? And is that a big risk going into the season? Uh, and maybe that's not as tied to the formation. I think his value to the formation is important, but his, his value to the team overall is important too. So there's my TED talk. Yeah, I, I, I can't argue with any of those concerns. I think they're all valid. Um, you know, the, the question I think becomes, obviously for the coach, is the positive he sees in it going to overcome those things? You know, I, I, I think I think anyway, the amount of work rate that it takes out of a wingback to play this shape is going to make a big driver in massive substitutions at wingback anyway. I mean, the, the ability to go 90 at wingback in the Texas heat is going to be rare. I mean, I think you're going to see aggressive subbing in those positions. So what so, are your what's your depth depth chart at that position then? Well, on the left, um, Sealy and Farfan and Parker, um, but then you can also include a, any left-footed player that can that, that normally is a wide midfielder or wing. So you could even include Bernie at left wing back or right, either one. Um, if you really need to, you can use. Um, if you had another center back, you could use Junka out there. He could run that line. Um, you could look at. Um, I, I mean, you could even use Ansa. He's played, you know, wide on that side um, in midfield. You know, it's it, it's not ideal. The right side is even more thin because both uh, Tuomasi's, you know, still coming back from he's training, but he's not 100 percent and then fit anyway. Giovanni's out for a while, so right now it's Herbert Indelay, you know, or whatever else you can come up with at that outside on the right. So it is thin. I, I think the idea is that the driver is twofold. And this is where coach is probably seeing the ideas that he wants to implement. And number one is like, okay, we were finally going to say that Jesus is not a nine and we're going to get a big, huge, powerful nine because we're trying to score more goals. And that way we have, theoretically, we have a big, huge, big money DP nine and we have this really dangerous player in arguably his best position. That obviously is the driver of the whole thing. That's why you're doing some version of a shape where Jesus is an off striker. Now it could be, if you went to the more traditional 4-3-3, which I saw him do early in spring, then Jesus was a right wing. Uh, the day that I watched, he was a right wing. If you go to a 3-5-2, then he's a hot, he's up next to the other striker, and that's easily doable out of this shape. You just, you know, it's a slight tweak. That's no big deal. But I think the other driver is actually because of the center backs. Last two seasons, we've seen occasionally Dallas exploited in the center back to outside back gap. Right. Usually it was when you had uh, Martinez at left center back or maybe somebody else over there that wasn't quite fleet of foot. And we saw teams consistently attack those gaps, particularly on um, not a counter attacks, but in rapid transition. And if you play a three at the back system, it actually compresses the space between the center backs because the, the wing backs theoretically are dropping back into a five, really, when you're playing in your bunker defense and you're in the space in between those center backs tightens up. So you also have a double pivot in front of those gaps, right? So like the, the, the two holding mids, for lack of a better term, is the second. Stand between those three two center back gaps that you have in your back three center backs. So I think those two things are the main drivers. And the, fourth, the third thing that's a main driver is the fact that you actually have a fairly good selection of eights and tens, um, even though we don't really use a 10 anymore. We always say that because there's a defensive requirement, even if you're going to play a higher free position. The team has a fair bit of those guys, even though I'm in the wings they have. A lot of them are better as false wings, and that's true all the way down through the academy. And so 
if you play this formation correctly, you end up outnumbering everybody in midfield four to three or even or more. And it, and because you're going to play a double, you put less of a physical burden on a guy like Yaramendi, who's 34. And he doesn't have to go silent to silent in order to cover half the field. And because you're not making him be one of the eights that's got to get play that free eight and get all the way up to, into the box and play in the half spaces, those are occupied by your what used to be wings. That's going to be Jesus and Areola. So it, it reduces the physical requirement on your relatively old best player in your central midfield. So those four things even really, I think, are what's driving this. Now, do those four things overcome the liabilities you're mentioning? We're going to find out, aren't we? I mean, this is a very unproven shape. This shape has been a disaster for this club in previous versions because they did it wrong, because the wings stayed as high wings. And that wrecks it. That leaves you outnumbered four or three versus two in your midfield. And it makes your wingbacks one-dimensional and removes the whole reason for them to be on the field. And now you've just got an extra defender for no reason at all when you're struggling to score goals anyway. So you can see why it has been a disaster. And if they play it like they did last year, it'll be a disaster. So it, it's a, the, the proof is going to be in the pudding. I mean, there's lots of talk about how why they're doing it until we actually see them do it and execute it correctly over and over again. We're going to be wondering, oh, is this going to work? Well, and then also with missing pieces through injury and otherwise, at least for the first game or yeah. two or however many, uh, I don't know how we're uh, how how we'll figure that out. Uh, uh, before we move on to another topic, Dan, do you have any uh, thoughts or reactions or feelings about? Uh, the switch to this formation? Well, I think one thing to keep in mind is that uh, Nico said earlier in the season that that isn't the only formation they're going to roll out. We've uh, you know, seen it in previous seasons, albeit you know, Lucci seasons, uh, the team rolling out a new formation in preseason to try and get those reps in. But once the season rolls around, it's whatever kind of suits the players they have available and, the, the familiarity they have with uh, with the existing formation. So, you know, um, it wouldn't be shocking to see them kind of drop into that 4-3-3 again. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, this shape also easily flexes to a 4-4-2, which we saw a lot last year mm-hmm. as well. And that's mm-hmm. another shape that would benefit Asus. So, you know, a coach is adamant that there will be variations and there will be other formations and we, we even know that he likes to have these flex formations or flex players that shift from position to position during the game and tactics are going to remain fluid. You know, it'll look like a 5-4-1 a lot of the time. Uh, some other times it'll look like a 3-6-1 if you want to go Steve Sampson on everybody. Oh, no. Yeah, I mean, effectively, that's right. I mean, you know, those two those two wings have to stay in the midfield. So really, it is a 3-6-1 in some ways. So. Um, so yeah. I get. I guess the question is Saturday, Buzz. As yeah. as the curious are watching the first game of the season, what would be the early indicators for them to be on the lookout for that this is working or is not working? Yeah. Um, if the if whoever's playing the two underneath positions, the two ten positions, if those guys behave like wings, if it's Ferreira, it won't be. If it's probably it'll almost certainly be Ariola and probably either Bernie or Legette. If those players are out at the touchline, out the sideline, and they're trying to get behind outside backs, you're you're in trouble because that's 100 percent wrong. Because that's that'll that's what's what stifles your wingback offensive play, which is the entire reason that it's Dante Sealy and Herbert Indelay, right? So you'll have taken that away, and now you just have bad defenders. And the other thing that will happen if they abandon the middle, then you're going to leave um, Yarmendi and, and probably Frazier because I don't think Paxson will go either. 
Like those two guys will be on an island and down four or three versus two the whole game, and you're going to be in trouble. So those if those guys actually play like wings and actually get out on the sideline, that's super bad. Will you should we anticipate that they'll try to play out of the back again this season? Yes. Or will they play direct? No, they'll play out of the back. Well, this team will still want to be rapid in transition, like last year, where they they're at their best when you make a mistake and they turn you over and they get at you in a hurry. That's still true. But they do they do want to build out of the back like they were trying to also do last year when they have possession. I mean, everybody wants to play that that way now. So in terms of having a plan, if you play out of the back, is is generally the outlet to go wide and come inside, or do you start inside and find the the wing back plowing forward and play wide back inside? Well, it depends on what the opposition is doing and how the opposition is reacting to your build. You know, it depends on where they go and what their press triggers are. Um, I'm assuming that most team teams will teams will press trigger on Ibiaga or um, Nikosi or or Sam Junka when the balls pass out from the keeper to them. That that'll be the press triggers because those guys aren't necessarily real good at you know a shield spin and turn and pass outlet kind of move. So um, it remains to be seen what kind of um, defense sandals they will bring. Last time they came here, they played a flat four four two. Um, and sat deep, if you remember, at the end of last year. But then um, what D- Dallas was working on with, when they had a group representing San Jose on Wednesday, it didn't look like that at all. So I think I think we're not going to really know how that build's going to go until we see how uh, it, it sort of is working. Okay. Keep, keep in mind that your best probably possession guys is, well, sort of Frazier, but really you are a Mendy. And that's the guy that's going to help you relieve and outlet everything. You know, you, you also want it to be your uh, your wingback son, but the, both of those guys are vertical kind of players. They're not like, I'm surrounded by three guys that I'm going to go dink, dink, dink through the middle of them and pass it off like AR Mini might be, or Paxton might be, but he's not going to be playing. So um, d- definitely how they react to press in this game is going to be really important because this is the first time we're going to see the build out, and it's, they're also missing some pieces that might be helping with that um, ordinarily. Paxton, notably. How much of this new formation is a response to their inability to break down a low block last year? And how does this help solve that problem? Or if it does at all? Not much. Um, uh, mainly in the sense of... Um, That's not the answer I was hoping yeah, for. Yeah, no, this isn't about that. The, you know, that the answer to that one would be that you'll have guys like... Be, because um, Musa, theoretically, and Farrington probably too, are guys that can occupy center backs... You'll 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 give you hope you'll give your guys underneath your Ariolas, your Ferreras, your Legets. You'll give them a little bit of a freedom to do some things. Velasco when he gets healthy in that zone fourteen, you know, and, and try and do some things like right inside the t- outside the box there. You know, you, you'll you'll have wingbacks who could theoretically get be sort of gets an end and cross guys, but that that's not the kind of players you're look talking about. I mean, nobody really likes to play that way anymore. Although. You know, Ansa, all three strikers that are your main strikers, Ansa, Farrington, and Musa all have some good height. So you you're you are adding a cross it into the box height component of a nine as another way to break down a bot a block that they never have had when they had, you know, FC short out there. So mm-hmm. that part is helpful, but that's not a tactical change. That's a personnel change. You know, you're you've got three nines now that are a little bit taller than you have ever had in the last couple of years. So that adds that component. Do any of those people playing wing, are they any good at crossing the ball? Because off the top of my head, I don't 
I can't. I don't know enough about Sealy or Endelay to tell you they are, and I don't remember if Farfan is particularly adept at that. Or Farfan's uh, okay at it. Um, Sealy's a, a yeah. Sealy's a driver. Um, goes at people. Endelay probably is good at it. He played. He played wide in midfield in Indiana, so he's probably pretty decent at it. Hmm. You know, he wasn't a winger as much as he was a wide midfielder, so he probably might be all right. Um, okay. Giovanni is um, in and Ima Tumasi. I mean, we've seen their offensive game. They they can both cross a little bit. Giovanni, remember, has that in his bag where he was getting yeah. the end line and firing the ball across low. So, yeah, you know, again, I I think it's actually very clear that like to me that by the end of the season, when you have Giovanni theoretically will be healthy, sort of middle of season, and Velasco sort of second third of the season, you know, maybe in August perhaps, is that you know you might see it's a completely different formation if you got personnel back that are very different than than you do now. You know, and at all because th- at that point you'd be like, if, if Velasco's probably going to play, it's like, you, are you really going to have guys and Ferrer's going to play? Are you really going to have Ariola and Legette both in the neighborhood of a million dollars plus? Well, one way plus and one just under. But like, are those guys really going to be sitting on the bench all the time? And, and I don't know that that would be the case. So like, you might at that point see a different adaptation. All right, my last question about the formation stuff: Who in this formation is the most important? player i don't mean position who do you think ultimately is going to be the most important player in this in this setup well uh, can i give you two no i need one okay um give me one and then make an argument as to why it has to be two please okay well the main one is jesus because you need to add a bunch of goals in um and that's theoretically what you got musa for but the problem is is that's he'll be that'll be enough if jesus performs because you're putting Jesus in a, in a position he hasn't done in a couple of years, really. And we all talk about how it should be his best position, but he still needs to perform in that position. If he doesn't continue to have a really high goal rate and add a good assist rate, then this whole thing's not kind of for moot point. And then the other is ER Mindy, because um, you'll really need that deep-lying playmaker to help you build out of the back. Um, and while Paxton is a really good linker, he's not necessarily a great playmaker. He hasn't ever developed that part of his game. And so you're really going to need some assists out of Yara Mindy coming from deep um, to spring guys on slashing moves, to spring guys on quick counters, to spring guys into the box on transition. You know, the, he's going to be really key uh, to, to okay. those two, if that's fair. All right. Well, it is. Uh, it absolutely has been the story of the offseason, and it's something to look forward to, maybe well, through your fingers. But. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's risky. As you said, Peter, there are, as you pointed out, there's the reasons to be worried. I just look at it on paper and I go, man, that just, I could just see, I can see them getting caught uh, in transition. I can see them with their wingbacks pressed way too high and getting, I I don't, I just, and getting overrun in midfield. And I, but uh, they've been working at it. So let's uh, trust that it'll work. If you had to uh, put your best 11 on the field, let's take injuries and everything out of this. If you just took the roster as it stands today um, and you could put the 11 on the field, who would be the 11? In this shape? Yeah. Uh, Musa, Ferreira. I mean, can you really say Velasco since he's out? For no, yeah, I, no, I'm yeah. sorry. Velasco and Jesus or uh, uh, Jesus don't count. They're yeah, too okay. injured. So Musa, Ferreira, and Ariola is your two off guys. Um I honestly think C- the way Sealy plays is a better fit than than um, Farfan, Yarmendi, and Paxton. And then on the right, honestly, it's a crapshoot between Ema and Indole. I would have said, you know, three years ago, I would have said Ema in a heartbeat, but he hasn't shown 
that offensive spark that Endley has the, this preseason. Endley has actually done really well and scored some nice goals. So I think potentially uh, Endley has actually passed him. And then it's Ibiotica, um, Nikosi, and and Junka with pause and goal. And that really is it. Hmm. Okay. So, yeah. It's going to be a fun opening game without, likely without any of the three DPs, though. Yeah. So let's talk. Yeah, yeah, let's talk about what you saw at training today. Let's talk about the injury stuff that you brought up uh, and previewed for everybody yesterday, please. Yeah, as Dan really rightly points out, um, Musa will not be here yet. He hasn't have his visa. Um, coach said if he's optimistic, he'll be here next week. But you know how visas can go. Um, Jesus and Paxton are both day to day. They both trained half the session on Wednesday. Uh, coach said it's unlikely. Uh, that they would both be fully cleared for this weekend. So there's a small chance they could end up on the bench perhaps, but he said it's much more likely and he's very optimistic they'll both be available and 100% for the game, the second game, the next Saturday. Um, Matt Corsa, Corcha is out for a month. I don't really know what's up with him, but he's out for a bit, which doesn't help your center back problem. <laughs> and then Marco Farfan, of all people, has a... Um, hairline fracture in one of his vertebra, um, which doesn't stop him from doing anything. He can, he's fully physically cleared to run around or whatever, but I talked to him about it. I was like, Oh, does it hurt? And he said, Oh yeah, real bad. And coach said that what happens is if he gets hit, it really, really is painful. Yeah. I <laughs> yeah. So it's just a question of pain management. So like it, it uh, Farfan told me, and he's, he, he joked with me that like, uh, that they had to protect him from himself that like he would want to play through it because of how he is. I mean, he even knows it and he's like, they're making me not play and quite rightly, frankly. So, um, he, he said both he and coach said one to two weeks and he'll be back. He's already been out for a couple of weeks. So it's really like the minute it stops hurting, he's fine. He's back in. So, um, there's a, there's a, that's several guys that are like day to day or week to week, but almost all of them are going to be out for this weekend. And the one that, the one other one is not really, He's not really out. He's Imato Amasi, but he's clearly not yet 100% like in his ability to like run and, and break and, and sprint. And he looks like a guy that hasn't played in or trained in two months. He's is, not, he, is he fat, Buzz? Uh, he's, yeah, he's Paxton fat. He's, <gasps> Whoa. He's spring training camp fat, which is not <laughs> real fat. Settle down. He's not like fat like me. He's just, he has that little winter, you know, little cheeky, you know. Looks like he hasn't run in two months. That's all. It's, he'll be fine. He'll just got to run into shape. He'll be fine. So I would not expect him to start, though. Do you think I'm being alarmist in my comments about Paxton and Jesus's injury situations? Uh, I think that they're being super, super conservative because I saw Paxton running a month ago, and he looked fine to me. He was absolutely crushing it up and down, rehabbing. So short of something like – sure there have been a uh, – a setback that I'm not aware of. Um, I think they're just being really, really careful because of both of those guys. Obviously, Jesus had a setback and that he played that first game and then something went wrong. So, like, you know, we, we can't forget that Jesus looked really good in that first scrimmage against Miami, you know, and the, and he only he just re-aggravated it or whatever. I, that's my big concern with Jesus is that they keep not doing surgery, as you say, and he keeps re-aggravating it. So that's maybe why they're trying to be really careful this time. But 
Yeah, it just worries me we're going to get like a month into the season and that thing's going to get really bad and we're all going to wonder, why didn't you have surgery at the end of yeah. last season? I know. I'm, I'm actually less concerned about Paxton because his was just a clean out. And like, I think they're just being hyper paranoid about Paxton because it's Paxton. I, mean, I actually think he's probably much more fine than Jesus. Jesus is the one that I think is probably convincing himself and convincing them that he's fine. Mm-hmm. And it's just going to... You know, my my, I'm with you. My worry is that it'll linger and linger and linger and linger, and all of a sudden it's June and he's shutting it down now. Then you know, so that's obviously the nightmare scenario. All right. So what uh, what else did you uh, get from training today or yesterday, whatever day it was you went? Well, Antonio Carrera was gone, which was the first time that his loan was finally going through, and he's going to North Carolina FC, which I knew, which is phenomenal. That's a great deal. Um, this is exactly the right step for him when you're investing in him, just like they have with a bunch of other young players. Will he be the starter there? That's what I assume. I, you don't send him there if he's not starting, you know, cause the whole point is for him to like, he's played two seasons as a starter at North Texas. That's plenty. It's not, he now needs a higher challenge. So you only send him to North Carolina if you're being assured he's going to start and they're moving from USL one where they won the championship up to the USL championship. So like they need people. So like where they're moving up. So I would imagine that the deal is he's going to be starting because if he's not, you just recall him because you, then you just bring him back and play him in North Texas. If he's not playing there, that's the whole point to do this. You know, you, you take a young guy who's 20, take him out of his hometown. You, you set him somewhere different, you know, live in an apartment by himself, you know, chat, new challenge, new coaches, you know, pressure. That's, that's really good. They can re- right over call him anytime though, if they need him. So if somebody gets hurt or whatever, no big deal. Um, I, I have two hot takes on young players, not a hot. Well, one of them is a hot take and one of them is not. The other player I want to mention uh-oh, was uh-oh. Ennis Solly. <laughs> so Ennis Solly is super bursty. Um, I think like really early this season, people are not going to know who he is or what he's about. And he's going to come into some games and absolutely blow the doors off some people who are going to be tired late in games and he's going to wreck guys. So I think like, I don't think he's anywhere close to starting, but I think he'll be really dangerous coming off the bench because of how, quick he accelerates and how direct he goes at people. And I think he'll really surprise some people. So, um, you know, uh, be excited if you see him come in. I think you'll think he's not nice, but like, don't, don't think to carry that over and go, Oh, start him. Cause he's long. So that. where in this formation does he play? He's a false wing. He's, he's Velasco, okay. but you know how Velasco plays side to side. Uh, this guy plays direct. He goes right at you. He's okay. more like Dante Sealy really in a way. So he could even be a wing back, frankly, but, um, he's small, but he's super bursty and, and fun to watch play even if he's not very refined. And here's my hot take. Logan Farrington. Logan Farrington right now. On, the Beaver. On the verge of opening day, the Oklahoma State draft pick, the number one, number three overall draft pick they picked. On the verge of this season, he is the most advanced striker on opening day this club has ever drafted out of college. He's ahead of where Bobby Ryan was coming out. I'm not counting 96 because 96, they drafted guys that were like 30 year old pros, like, you know, that were well established in the career. I'm talking about real college draft picks. He's the most polished and finished and complete forward striker on opening day. More than Jason? More than, no, Jason was 96. He was drafted in like the regular round, like out of Duke. That doesn't count. He'd actually been playing somewhere, if I remember correctly. Um, But, but yes, actually, 15 years later, like he's better on the first day of opening season then because remember Jason played, they were hiding Jason at wing back and right. wide mid for a few years. Right. 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 Yeah. Certainly okay. for year one. So better than Bobby Ryan, better than, um, Cal Jennings, like the most complete today. Now, 
better than Tesho. There are guys that passed him eventually, but like I'm just talking about like at, at the, when the season started, he's the best at this minute of any progression of a striker coming out of college. And he may never go anywhere for all we know, but like it's super exciting to watch him be this polished and this good, you know, and if I were going to bet money, I would bet that he's going to start opening day. Over what, what is his best attribute? He uh, is a, he's a large bodied striker, not fat. I just mean like, he's more like, um, well, like Musa, but also like um, uh, Blas Perez, like a bigger guy. A Graziani size guy. Graziani size guy, but thicker than that. Graziani, stronger than Graziani. And just as a really smart uh, player tactically, understands the game, knows how to post up, knows how to move, has a really well developed touch, can turn in space, lays off, plays really aware around him. Now, he's not polished superstar. He's not going to score 20 goals this season. I'm just saying that like he's ahead of every other striker they've ever drafted coming out of college. And that's really, really amazing to see because I'm not used to strikers coming out of college looking like this. And I'm not used to them being this polished, this fast. You know, like to me, he already looks better than Cobra ever looked, for example. Wow. Okay. Right. So even after Cobra started scoring goals. Yeah, because Cobra's goals were, were like he was never a polished player, right? His goals were always like effort stuff where he like ran dudes over Right, like he was never like a ticky tacky, like or smart, tactical, nuanced. Yeah, this guy's got lots of things that Cobra never had. So that doesn't mean he's gonna again. That's, he's not gonna score fifteen because Moose is gonna get all the games. I'm just saying that like it's super nice to see a pick come out of college that's this complete of a player already. It's been a long time since I've seen a pick this complete of a player. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, um, I already like it better than Ansa. Well, I think everybody likes everybody better than no. Ansa. I mean, there's people that like Ansa that think that he's much better, but I, you know, I'm not Eugene Ansa, the guy yeah. that they got from the Israeli league. Yeah, yeah. Who thinks people, he's people? You know, some people. I have people ask me all the time, like, well, when I did my death chart the other day, I had a couple people ask me, like, why is Farrington ahead of him? It's like, well, because he is, but also because I like him better. You know, but we'll see. I mean, you know, you never know. Maybe Ansa will start this weekend, but I'm I feel confident. If I was going to bet, I would bet it would be Farrington. Okay. Sincerely, I I mean this genuinely. I'm not trying to pick on the guy, but I honestly can't recall a single. I don't have a single memory of Ansa doing something where I went, "Oh wow, that's pretty good." Like, not that I've seen him play a ton either. Yeah, well, in one of the spring games, Dan. Which do you remember which one it was? Was it the second one? Or was it uh, against New Miami, Mexico. New Mexico? Yeah, Logan had a really good game, and then he fell off really bad. And Ansa was significantly better in one of the other games. Okay, but just watching in training, I just you know. I just was. I've just been really impressed. The more I watch Logan Farrington, the more impressed I am with his current progression relative to him just coming out of college. It's exciting right. to watch a guy be that good. All right. Any other uh, training stuff we need to talk about before I go to Dan? Um, I don't think so. I think that's about it. I guess I sh- uh, well. I'm going to save the center back thing until we talk about what you yeah. predict for the starting eleven. All right. Oh, free kicks, Reto oh. Ziegler. Ah, yes. He was good at that, too. Yeah, well, I just did the starting 11. Oh, you want with guys missing? Yeah, yeah. Um, no, so no, I'll, no, no, stop, yeah, stop. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, no, I, I'm going to go to, I'm, I'm going to let Dan talk go about Dan. the ref stuff here in a second. I'm going to say, well, I will ask you about the center back stuff. 
who's going to end up playing center back when we do the predictions, uh, your prediction for the for the eleven, the starting okay. eleven. Okay. Cool. okay. Now, Dan, you have uh, been covering for Buzz and Co. The, the I, I so I had no idea that that like the weird crossing of streams of me driving to lunch on Monday or Tuesday, whatever it was, and I pass what appears to be a whole gaggle of referees standing outside protesting with reds and yellow cars, and I'm like, what is that? Only to 10 minutes later when I'm looking through Twitter while I'm eating lunch to realize it's all of the striking referees or locked out referees. They're here in Dallas. Why is that? Yeah, uh, they've picketed uh, the last couple of days outside of the... Uh, Hilton Lincoln Center, the one off of 635. Yeah, uh, Wednesday and Thursday, um, they, they pick it. Um, effectively, that is the you know one of the main centers for MLS. CONCACAF to have training seminars. Uh, they were due to be getting their kind of final instruction ahead of the season, at the start of the season, I should say. But uh, instead, they were on the outside and the replacement referees were on the inside. So uh, the Professional Soccer Referees Association uh, picketed that at the same time. They also had a picket line outside of the MLS uh, offices. Uh, Pro Referees has an office in within MLS's little office space. Uh, yeah, a few notable names down there. Uh, Ishmael Elfath, who was, uh, I think he was a VAR on the World Cup final, uh, refereed quite a few yeah. games in the early stages. Uh, Kyle Atkins, who was a li- uh, linesman in the World Cup. Uh, Joe Dickerson, I spoke to him. Alan Chapman, two-time uh, MLS Cup ref. Quite a few uh, quite a few of the names out there. Um, These are all in, names in that I've heard you fuss about over the years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I got done talking to Joe Dickerson, and I was like, I'm pretty sure I'm going to have to submit a pool question to you at some point this year, so just, you know, be, be, be uh, prepared for that. <laughs> Tell them to actually answer the question. Uh, no, they'll never do that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, at the heart of it, uh, you know, we've obviously seen in the news the uh, CBA that they've had for the past five years expired on January 15th. Uh, the negotiators got well, not not the best deal, but the best deal that Pro were willing to offer at the time. And then, you know, a, a normal bargaining tactic is to say, hey, we'll take this to our members, but they're going to say no. And 95.8% of, of uh, the 260 members voted no. Um, Pro had touted up to a 104% pay increase, but... Uh, you know, that was based on a guaranteed compensation of $3,100 for the entire year. Um, speaking to Alan Chapman, he said, really, it's uh, for a referee in his position is one of the highest paid, I think, around fifty-five grand a year uh, for, a, for a full-time job. Um, he said what they're getting is basically 4% above inflation. So... Uh, you know, significantly below any player in Major League Soccer. So, you know, you're, you're brand new homegrown who's maybe just a chance that they might one day make an MLS bench makes more than any referee in Major League Soccer. That's interesting because I'm somewhat familiar with what the PGMOL pays referees in the Premier League and in the EFL. Mm-hmm. 
And it's less than that. No, because they get a large match fee on top of their guarantee. The guarantee ah. in the Premier League is £70,000, plus they get 1500 per game. And what is this? And what is what, sorry? What is it currently with American refs in pro? Uh, in total, the cap is 55000 And that's that's salary plus game per yes. game. Okay. Hmm. Interesting. Wow. Yeah. Uh, you know, speaking to him, was, there was a couple that uh, there was a few officials there that, that have full-time jobs and, you know, they're supposed to be professional referees. You want them to, you know, if we talk about the quality of refereeing getting better, that tends to be the reason for pro and PGM, uh, PGMOL is to, to have professional referees that can dedicate all their time and, and their efforts to getting better. So, uh, yeah, it's kind of funny. It, this all comes up at the time when I think MLS has boasted 15% sponsorship revenue increase, 15% total season ticket re- uh, sale increase. Uh, Miami is uh, expecting to make $200 million in revenue this year. And uh, the the league have come back and said to uh, the officials, well, we just don't have any money to pay you. Sorry. Well, it'll be interesting to keep an eye on how, I mean, obviously in the Miami game uh, the other night, I don't think it was a a particularly critical issue uh, or, or or I don't remember anything from the highlights or anything that I saw where it was like a big problem, but you can totally see how the minute, there's a weekend with a, a number of uh, questionable calls or decision making. It's just that that'll just get amplified from there. I think the last lockout 10 years ago uh, kind of went without incident. It was only two weeks. Um, the one big thing on the opening day, uh, Luke Mulholland had scored a perfectly fine goal for Rail Salt Lake. He was, uh, you know, a good five yards behind the ball. Uh, two LA Galaxy defenders ahead of him, and the Lino flagged it uh, bizarrely. Uh, you know that that is now a FIFA panel assistant referee who uh, runs the line for MLS. Uh, I think really the big thing we're going to see across the season is kind of those the league walking back on a few of the things, the time substitutions. Uh, the, the big disappointment for me is going to be the in-stadium announcements of uh, of VAR decisions. I think, you know, that's always uh, that was something we've been looking forward to since the start of VAR. Yeah, that, they announced just before the Miami game that they were not going to enact those three procedural uh, changes that you mentioned. And I agree. I was looking most forward to the VAR announcements like NFL style or NBA style or hell, even hockey and baseball do it now. Um, uh, And I uh, but here's the thing. When I read that, I thought, oh, okay, well, this will last a few weeks and then there'll be everything will get settled. But since you talk to these guys and gals, did they give you a sense as to how long they are anticipating this is going to drag out for? I uh, didn't ask. Ex- I mean, I didn't ask that specifically uh, with Alan Chapman. I asked him what you know what the, the similarities and differences to him were like as you know going through the last lockout ten years ago. Um, his his answer was simply that they're more prepared financially. Uh, they that there is more solidarity within the union now. 
Um, at the time, Pro Referees was in its infancy. It was uh, in its second year. They kind of rushed through the negotiations just to kind of get back on the field and maybe missed out on uh, on some protections themselves. Um, and that, you know, th- this mm. time they, they have to be patient and uh, kind of get the right deal. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be... It's it's going to be interesting to see. I think uh, you know one thing actually I wanted to mention because we're obviously kit nerds. Uh, Pro referees sponsored by Capelli. The uh, the officials for the Miami game um, didn't even have sufficient time to get Capelli kit. They had the old uh, you know those old black ones with the little white stripes up them from the uh, whoever the old supplier was. Uh, oh, that's that you right. You see yeah. on at Moss Park on a Sunday morning or something along those lines. Yeah, uh, what is the name um, of that brand? Official and, something, I think. Yeah, yeah, that was like match official or something. Um, the other interesting thing is, and I think it's in the name of security and the fact that they only have twenty six uh, people that are qualified to actually referee a game uh, in their reserve roster. Um, they're not announcing official assignments until game day. Hmm. Interesting. Well, so I'm sure ML- it's a mess. I'm sure. The, I'm sure the organization and scheduling and trying to get people to and fro, uh, and and working within their schedule and everything is an absolute disaster of trying to make this work. And uh, one thing actually, someone did tell me is that uh, Nelson Rodriguez, who is the vice president of competition and something else. Effectively, he's the guy that signs the check that pays them. Uh, he happened to be in Dallas, and for just a training exercise for replacement officials or, or regular officials, there was no reason for him to be there. So, be interesting to see kind of what was going on behind the scenes there. Hmm. All right. Well, well, I guess we'll all keep tabs on. I'm sure we'll have a much larger conversation about this next week after we have a whole slate of games. Uh, to kind of pick and choose all the the good and bad incidences. Um, I'm sure it'll get worked out. Um, All right. Uh, You want to do Kit Talk or predictions first, Buzz? Predictions. Let's do Kit Talk last so that people that don't care about that can bail. (laughs) Steve Davis, notably. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair, I think. There's the Steve Davis allowance right there. Okay. All right, we're going to make predictions. The questions are where Dallas will finish, who will be Dallas's top goal scorer, conference champs, shield winner, and MLS Cup champ. Uh, I will go first. How about that? I'll sure, alleviate you guys from having to go first because I've already put mine out there on the interwebs if, uh, uh, Wednesday afternoon. I have, uh, because I just I want it to happen, I have Orlando winning MLS Cup. I have Seattle and the crew as Eastern and or Western Eastern champions. I had not thought about FC Dallas top goal scorer. Um, um, I'll just say Jesus because that just seems, I think he'll come. When you say uh, Seattle and, and Columbus, are you referring to the regular season or the actual conference championship? Well, I assume when he said conference champs, he meant by regular season top of the table. What did you yeah. mean, Buzz? No, that's what I meant. Okay. Yeah. You don't mean like who wins the conference? 
No, it's not what I meant, but you could throw that in if you want to. I mean, that wouldn't work, obviously, since you said Orlando was going to win yeah, the Lost Cup, so that's why he meant. Yeah. So I assume that's what Peter meant. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Jesus, top scorer. Yeah, sure. And I had Dallas finishing sixth and getting knocked out in the first round to the Rapids. I'm going to go so far as to make the prediction of how that season's going to finish. Because it just feels like we're due to have the Rapids be the new boogeyman again, since they were the original uh, Dallas boogie club. Mm. So the Rapids are going to finish third in your thing? Yep, I think so. Nice. There's always a resurgence club. There's always a club that comes out of nowhere and puts it all back together. Why can't, why not Colorado? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're definitely due for a good season. Mm. For decades. Yeah. Dan, you want to go next? Yeah, I'll tell you why it won't be Colorado, because it will be Rail Salt Lake. (laughs) That's your resurgence team, yeah. Yeah, uh, I've got FC Dallas fourth uh, behind LAFC, Seattle, and RSL. Uh, FC Dallas top scorer, I mean, provided he gets fit, we're going to say Jesus Ferreira. Uh, Musa obviously is going to have some level of adjustment. Uh, Ferreira, you know, has a pretty good knack of uh, scoring from that kind of uh, more recessed role, uh, as long as there is someone ahead of him to play off of. So uh, Musa could be that that ideal foil for him. Um, conference champions, I've got, uh, well, for regular season, LAFC. And uh, the uh, 2024 MLS Supporters Shield winner, Orlando City. Hmm. Uh, before... Uh, Seattle piss on everyone's parade and uh, wins MLS Cup. <laughs> Again. Yeah. All right, Buzz. Well, Dan and I are very similar. Uh, I also have FC Dallas fourth. Um, not behind Real Salt Lake, though. Um, my top goal scorer, I'm going to drink the Kool-Aid and go with Mosa. The Moose is going to be loose because Asus's goals are going to fall off because he'll get more assists and he'll be playing from deeper. Conference champions, I have Seattle in the West, and the Supporter Shield winner is Orlando City. Yep. However, Orlando will be upset in the playoffs, probably by Columbus. That'll give Seattle home field advantage, and they're going to, because they'll be second in the Shield standings, and Seattle will win MLS Cup at home. Not sure Probably. Columbus beating Orlando is much of an upset. Well, it is because it is when Orlando will be the shield winner coming out of that conference. I just mean that Orlando won't get to the MLS Cup; they'll lose a game. I want to I want to interject a, another prediction. Yep. How many goals will the Moose score this season for Dallas, Dan? Nine. Buzz. Fourteen. Hmm. Peter. Okay. Um, I was going to say eight or nine, but here's the trick to my prediction. I think the, I think the vast majority of those six, seven of those are all going to come in the final third of the season when it starts to click for him. Mm. And we're going to go from, oh my God, what's going on? This guy's a bust to it really beginning to click as he figures things out as the season goes on. So he's going to Cobra. Yeah. How dare you? Yeah. Well, that's not a ba- Yeah. I mean, it's a I. $10 million Cobra. Yeah. I guess that could be Cobra, couldn't it? Yeah. 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 Hopefully this time he doesn't want to go home. Yeah. <laughs> right when he starts right. to figure right. it out. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and I hope, I hope the fans love him as much as they loved Cobra, too. I think that would be great for this club to have great. a guy like that. 
again on the road. Well, if he only scores eight, that ain't going to be happening. Well, if they're eight in the last five weeks of the season, that's that that may make everybody feel different by the end of the season, right? Yeah. How how far before into the season can we start calling him and Jesus Moose and Squirrel? <laughs> and uh, making Rocky jokes. Uh, how about this? I want I want to be <laughs> I want to be ten yards away from you when you tell Jesus Freire you're calling him Squirrel. Squirrel, Moose yeah, yeah. I want to see what he says about that. <laughs> he hasn't said anything. He just looked really confused. Yeah, he might not know what moose and squirrel is. I God, it's what are the On odds that Jesus knows what moose and squirrel reference? Low. I bet it's low. I yeah. bet he has no idea what moose and squirrel is. Probably not. All right. Um, can, and and since he's not going to be here this weekend, I feel like we can put. Uh, speaking of the moose, we can we can hold off on having a longer conversation about how everybody just needs to be patient and yeah. temper their reaction yeah. and and not expect too much. Like everybody's expectations on the moose need to be set properly, and oh. I feel like that's something we can do next week. What's the over on our people that are going to tweet me like, "Where's Musa when he doesn't show up on Saturday?" It's like, come oh, on. it'll be off the charts. Yeah, yeah. it's going to be a lot. Yeah. All right. Uh, is this officially where we can tell Steve Davis and those who hate the kit talk? Did, uh, they did can we do hit, did, hit stop? Did we do an eleven prediction versus San Jose? Did we do that? Oh no, we didn't. Thank you, Buzz. Yes, let's yeah. do that. So just are, real quick, because yeah. of the injuries and stuff, I think this is really important. Yeah, I have Farrington over onside at the nine. Ariola is one of the tens. The other one will either be Legette or Bernie. I'm going to say Legette because Bernie doesn't quite know how to play that underneath role. Uh, Celia on the left, um, Yaramendi in the middle with Liam Frazier. Liam Frazier, excuse me. Ian Frazier is a totally different player from a long time ago. Um, Herbert Indale on the right, um, Ibi, Nikosi, Sam Junka, and Possum. Are we running in? Do we have a potential uh, uh, Bernie Camungo is the odd man out story brewing? Yes. Yes. Because he was a disaster at wingback. Now, yeah, you can put him in um, as one of those tens, and he sort of becomes like uh, Jesus might at times more of this off striker, slightly higher. And then the other guy, Ariola, will kind of in this case will probably slide under a little bit, and it'll look more like a three-five-two. That's how you can do it. But again, he doesn't really know how to play that center up the middle striker role either. He's been a wing. Yeah. You know, his whole, the other thing they did is like when, when they, they tried an adaptation when he was at wing back that they sort of, they let him stay higher. And then the whole defense kind of rotated and almost became a four, four, two when he was at wing back. So there's that adaptation, but yeah, I mean, right now he definitely is the guy who does not fit any of the profiles in this formation. That would be a really weird turn of events. If Bernie Camungo just kind of disappears uh, this season after, after all, everything that happened to him last season. Well, somebody somebody on the MLS extra time when they did that golden boot draft, somebody picked Bernie and I was like, well, it ain't going to be Bernie cuz he ain't <laughs> you know. Wait, somebody on lucky. MLS extra time thinks he's going to score the most goals in the league? Well, it was like a 10th round pick. It wasn't a high oh. pick, but I was like, I'll tell you it ain't, ain't going to be him. I can tell you that. You know, it's like it was a late pick, but the point yeah. was that like if he gets back to last year's total, I'll consider that a big win. If he gets back to that, what was it, 4 or 5 that he had? Yeah. You know, so like, cause, uh, cause right now he does not fit this team at this profile at all. This team at all in terms of tactics. That's he, crazy. He could be frozen out of play almost. You know, that would be a weird. It would suck, but weird twist of fate if that's be. how it all plays out. Yep. Okay. Uh, now this what this is the part for the nerds, right, yep. guys? Yep. 
Danny, you ready? I was born ready. Yeah. It's time for Kit Talk. Yes. How do you want to do this? Well, I think we should definitely talk about FC Dallas and with a little bit of North Texas specifically, and then uh. just run through the kiss in alphabetical order and talk really quickly about each one. We don't need to dwell on them. All right. So congratulations, Dan Crook. Your mock-up was almost spot on to what they officially revealed, Except which we better. have not, huh? Except better. <laughs> that we have not really talked mm-hmm. about um, because uh, since it's been revealed because obviously we didn't do, or Buzz had to do the podcast by himself last week. Um, uh, all right, Buzz, what's your reaction to the final result? All right. In a vacuum, um, I'm okay with it. It's not bad. I like halves as a general concept. If you were a halves team, this is a cool variation. I like the way the trim pops. The white is crisp. Uh, I like the mismatched shoulder. Dan's is better in terms of how the gradations work because this one has too much purple in it. Um, but like if you, if you were done with hoops, this is a fun variation of halves and that would have been cool. However, it's an FC Dallas kit and this is, a, it's more blue, particularly with the blue shorts and the blue socks than it should be. It should be more red than the blue. They're almost a blue team now, right? The white trim is nice, but literally right now, this is the only thing on this kit that makes it not be an RSL kit is that it has white trim instead of yellow. And by making it predominantly blue, you've actually turned it into a revolution kit. Or in this case, because there's a big chunk of purple down the middle too, which makes it even worse. And the giant most important thing is that it's off brand. It's like it doesn't match the brand that you have been poorly building in your kits for the last, you know, since they rebranded in 2004. Yes, they've slightly varied away from hoops from time to time, but there's always been some hoopish elements. Even the kits that were almost all completely red still had like little pinstripes or they had like a fade in the gradation. They were all still kind of there. This time, Hoops is 100% gone. And so I, for that reason, I think it sucks. I mean, it's a decent enough kit. I'll probably wear it around a little bit once I eventually buy one. But it's not an FC Dallas kit. I don't know whose kit this is that you're borrowing. Um, it has nothing to do with the club that we've been writing about for 27 seasons. But here we are with a purple kit. Purple Have you seen kit. it in person? No. Okay. But I've seen lots of images. And yeah. they keep, as you pointed out, they keep putting out images of it from the blue side. So it basically looks like a rev kit that has too much blue purple in the middle of it for some reason. Doesn't look like an FC Dallas kit. So, you know, that's my take on it. Dan? I really need to see it in person. Um, some of the photos, it looks not necessarily a great FC Dallas shirt, but a great shirt. Yes. Um, you know, that, that gradient is just like a very smooth uh blue into dark purple into red uh others it's very bright um it looks you know like it would from a distance be like the the by pride flag uh you know the kind of uh purple uh <laughs> you know that kind of in indigo and uh magenta with like bright purple in the middle is there any way dan and clark hunt have uh talked themselves into this is their gay pride shirt <laughs> No way. I think that's probably the best part is that they would be blissfully unaware. <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, like, like Buzz says, uh, I think the, the the blue shorts and socks are a little bit of a cop-out, uh, particularly that they're just plain blue and white. Uh, there's no there's no red in, in those yeah. elements at all when the shorts and socks really are, and, and you can see this from the really exact same style with the the burn baby burn kit 
you know, the black shorts have the white stripes, but they have that red trim on the back. The socks, whether it's the white or the black version, the top, the 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 fold over part is red, and then the hoops are a different color. Um, they the designers obviously had the options to do these, but just went with oh, we're going to add all this color to the the shirt, but then the shorts and socks are just going to look like something you could buy from Dicks. I completely agree with both you guys on all of this stuff. I think it just is a standalone soccer shirt. It's really kick-ass design. Yeah, in a vacuum, it's fine. It 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 just it is not a Dallas shirt, and yep. it and and it would have looked better with white shorts with red mm. trim and red socks. Mm. I, I, you know, I've been I've been I've been quietly, passively, aggressively nudging Dan into drawing up what it would look like with white shorts <laughs> and red socks or even blue you know when i get a chance or white socks we'll do that you know what we would have done as well yeah i I, um this along with the afterburner theme phrase catchphrase whatever and the and the promotional video with all the jets and stuff i'm just i find all of it very confusing because I, I, you know, is this team now suddenly super fast? Is that what we're supposed to think about? <laughs> like we're going to be really shocked at how quick this team is. Counter team. Uh, I get. I don't know I, yeah. that. So when I see all of the pictures of them focusing more on the blue side of the shirt versus the red half of the shirt, and and I, I find it, to me it always feels like because this is a you know a group of people who clearly don't care about brand identity that it feels like however long ago when adidas walked up and said here are your options they saw this one and went oh that's the coolest looking one and just pointed at it and and said let's go with that without putting any other thought to it because i agree if you just see it it looks like a cool design but to your point buzz it's just not it's not a burn jersey in any way shape or form yeah uh my my real worry is that off the success of the Ranger blue jersey, they went, oh, people love blue. And they went more blue. I mean, it's the oh, wrong I blue. Think about that. That's the, I mean, it's the total wrong lesson to take away where people love the Ranger Dallas Tornado connection to that blue one. The variety of it from, as a secondary kit, not not be a red team all of a sudden. You know, it's just, it's a misfire for the brand. Yeah. You know, like you, I agree. In a vacuum, hey, it's not bad. I'm going to probably wear it around. It's, it's cool. Cool shirt. And it's an FC Dallas kit. Terrible. Hmm. You know. Well, it is a weird, and it's a weird match with the um, uh, Burn Baby Burn jersey, too. Yeah. Um, which which is what really surprised me when people shot photos from cocktails and cleats and somewhere in a corner was two mannequins with the North Texas pair of jerseys, which mm-hmm. I think... Well, I don't know if I like either jersey specifically a lot. I do think are a really good, solid pair of contrasting kits for a soccer team, just in general, like off-the-shelf stuff. Yeah, particularly because they're catalog kits, right? They're not yeah. even boutique kits. And you could argue that the blue one is a more FC Dallas-branded kit than the FC Dallas kit is because it's at least got horizontal red striping on it. And the some white striping. The issue with that one is that is a Revs kit. The, black, the, the yeah. entire back's blue. Fair, but it's more in line with the Dallas brand than oh, definitely, the, than and the, it, it, and it and it has that kind of 
hoops that aren't really hoops element that that is yeah. typical of FC Dallas in recent years. Exactly. And my only question about that kid is this with since you're supposed to sort of well not supposed to they generally speaking kind of try to mimic the FC Dallas kits in 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 some thematic way minus the fact they have to use a catalog kit. Well, why in the world then did you not use a halves catalog kit? Since your first team went with basically a version of a halves kit, why did you not go with a version of a halves kit for your second team instead of going with a more on-brand kit for your second team? Uh, Because I would argue, Buzz, the fact that they had had similar designs was just purely coincidental in the past. Yeah, I don't think they actually... (laughs) I don't think there's anybody up there that's thinking about stuff like this in the way that the three of us do. Look at the second. And that's not a criticism. They don't have to, right? Like, they don't, they may not think any of this is important, and that's their right. You and I and Bu- and Dan think that's ridiculous, but I that's how I envision how that all goes down. Yeah, but the secondary kit has a has the off white, gold, and black that matches the burn baby burn kit, right? One thing to keep in mind is they are constantly pushing the idea that North Texas SC is in itself a different entity than FC totally Dallas. Fair. That it's not just a reserve team; that it's something worth attending. So, having a different look, albeit in the same color identity is definitely on, on brand for them um I, I can tell you the the half and half options uh off of the uh i can't think what they even call it now the it used to be my adidas um they're crap basically mm. uh fair yeah uh fc cincinnati when they had that weird blue and orange not not the half and half one that was that was custom but the uh the stripe one where the stripes were all kind of looked purple because they had like weird fades in them and stuff like that Mm. uh, that is effectively one of the that's effectively what the half and half is it's like these little hexagons that fade into one color and it just looks a bit silly right Mm. right well um It'll be interesting. I mean, I I think the general reaction, I've been surprised how many people just don't like it, period. And I don't know if that's because of the purple. I really thought that the kind of um, the way that they were handling the gradient was designed to help alleviate the problem of the red to blue or blue to red gradient that can give you the purple effect. But man, from the photos, until I see one in person, it looks flat out like it's got three purple stripes down yeah, the middle of different really does. shades. Dan better, did a better job with that. His gradation transitions are better. He has less purple bands, basically. I think it, it, looks, it doesn't help as well if you see the replica version because it doesn't have the white trim. So you've just, you're punched in the face by by the the color transitions there's not even something to yeah. kind of take your eye off it the other thing i thought was clear from the dan the way you did what i thought was better is like you started the gradation more in the middle with the red because like this one the red is already fading out by the time you're at the badge and so by the time you get to the middle of the kit it's already well into purple and blue whereas like if that transition starts more in the middle then the kit is more half red than this than the real one is the real one is more half blue more than half blue yeah, there's definitely a there's definitely an emphasis on on it because there's a uh, uh, there there is a set of ver- there's a centered stripe in it that is purple. Yeah, and I'm, so I'm sure it was kind of okay. Ease the transition one side to the other from that, but the red has v- like three or four very defined steps, and the blue it for whatever reason the shade in they chose just did not did not come out right. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Well, if they win MLS Cup, we'll love it. How about yeah, that? Yeah, right. The greatest right. kid ever. Eh. 
Man's <laughs> <laughs> sticking to it. All right, let's run through. Um, oh, that was my question. Do we have any idea if they're going to do that same stupid ass thing they did last year, which is switch between kits uh, from the, home game uh, to home game? The afterburner adverts have the have got both kits on, so they probably have an obligation to show both sponsors. They'll be yeah. That, that's why it's because of the fact that the sponsors are different on the two shirts, they have an obligation to wear the second. I, I understand why they do it. It's yeah. stupid. No, I'm not you saying that's why. Your, yeah. You should wear your home oh, kit at home, well, period. Yeah. The they should, if they're going to do it, they should choose a little better. Last year, having the away yes. kit at home so that uh, against RSL, when RSL plays in FC Dallas colors, was confusing. It was. Oh, I've never been asked, have people so confused about why is everyone cheering when the white team scored as that game? <laughs> I remember, yeah. yes. Like, like Literally like 30% of people around me were like, what? What's going on? Like they were, The whole crowd was confused. It was awful. Yeah. All right, we're going to run through these alphabetically. Uh, yeah. We will start with the Atlanta United, what they are calling the resurgence kit. Eh? I, th- I actually like it. I thought it was a plant. It turns out it's a phoenix. I think this is a pretty good one. Okay, <laughs> well, why? If uh, <laughs> you thought it was that's a plant. very confusing, Buzz. Yeah. It's you thought it was crest, a plant. Yeah, well, so there's something about this. Well, Atlanta apparently rose from, you from know, the was flames, burned to the ground right. and reborn, right? It's a phoenix. So it's a phoenix. I thought it was a flower. It's what it looked like to me, but, too. Yeah. Either way, I think it looks kind of cool. The fact that it's not a flower and it's actually a phoenix, I don't care. It looks cool to me. All right. Dan? I like it. No, I think it's great. I think Because it's uh, it's the city crest, isn't it? From Yeah, the phoenix uh, from, is from in from there. That. Yeah. The, yeah. yeah I, I just think it looks really cool. It's, um, you know, the head of it kind of is centered on the Atlanta United logo. Uh, it's not kind of confusing in what it looks like but from a distance you don't have to know it's it's a phoenix it just kind of looks like a really cool pattern yeah. it just it bothers me that it looks like it could be nashville's uh secondary kit with the yellow and blue in it yeah okay off brand yeah. colors yeah, okay. yeah leeds united kit third kit yeah, well no specifically nashville since they're yeah. adjacent to each other oh, which, fair, will get, fair, which will take me to my criticism of the orlando kit here in a yeah. little bit yeah, yeah. um austin and their armadillo kit which is hilarious to me that they're celebrating a a, a vaunted historic studio recording or a, a music venue that they tore down for an office building <laughs> 20 30 years ago very strange but uh, what do you think of their creamy and green kit trash just because it's Austin, or you no, just don't like it? No, no, I don't care that it's Austin. It's trash. It's a bad it kit. It just looks like a pair of kids' pajamas. Yeah, it's a bad kit. It looks like a, <laughs> a dirty kit that didn't get washed right. <laughs> okay. Did it's we like, say that about the Burn Baby Burn kit last year, too? No, because that actually has a pattern. This is just a crappy-looking, not-white kit. Okay. It's all it's all faded like you washed it with your dirty cleats or something. It's apartment wall beige. Yes, there you go. I'm going to say this. I think it's a success only because it allows them to get away from that stupid off-green color kit that they were wearing as a secondary last uh, prior to this. Well, it's better than that, I guess. It's a vast improvement over that. Well, some of the photos of it, that green still looks off, like really off. Well, it's definitely not the same green that's in the primary kit, but at least it's not that weird toothpaste green that the previous kit was. Yeah, fair. Charlotte. I think the uh, Charlotte kit is a win. I like this kit. I agree completely. I think this is a tremendous kit. I mean, it's, if you've ever been to the Smoky Mountains... It looks just like the Smoky Mountains. It's really, it's beautiful. It's a really good kit. How do you pronounce those mountains? 
The Smoky Mountains. Oh, it sounded like you said Smoky. Smoky. Isn't it the Blue Mountains? Well, it's the same thing. It's all the same thing. Smoky oh, Mountains, okay. you know, Appalachia, Smoky oh, Mountain National okay. Park. It's all the so, same area. I have one problem with it. Just one problem. And it's the same thing as the uh, the stars at night, where it looked really cool, uh, the, the fade up to the, the blue, but then MLS forced them to have white, every uh, FC Dallas have white everything with them. That jersey uh, is paired with white shorts and white socks, and, and very much like FC Dallas, it's, it's plain white with black trim. Mm, what would have looked really cool is if they'd have had a darker blue as the uh, shorts and an even darker blue or a black as the socks, and then you you just complete that that slow transition down the entire kit. That would have been good. Yeah, it, it just feels like a little bit of a cop out. Is will this be their light kit? Because I don't. What is Charlotte's primary oh, regular like? blue? I think blue. Yeah, Carolina yeah. blue. This is this is their light kit. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Uh, the fire went back to their normal jam. Uh, I'm fine with it. Yeah, full full credit, 100% credit for going back to their branding theme and getting it right. This is what Dallas has never understood, never done right. And I will say they they deserve full credit for including the uh city light blue yeah uh, highlight yeah, in the absolutely. in the stripe. That it's really a makes really the great shirt. execution of the brand for your club. Yeah, and it and it doesn't encroach in any way on the way that Vancouver had their throwback to white, a very similar blue, and navy blue. It it is it is a typical Chicago fire yeah. look to it. Mm. All right, Cincinnati with the canvas kit. I will submit that they rescued this with the trim pattern. I agree with that. I think it's a boring kit, but that trim pattern is the saving grace that makes it better than the other white kits. It's crap. <laughs> okay. It's mostly crap. I'm mostly crap. <laughs> it's mostly crap. It's slightly better than the other white kits because of the trim. Okay. Yeah. I just, yeah. All right. Uh, what are we thinking about the Rapids? New uh, checkered pattern thingamajig. Well, you guys go first because I feel like I might be an outlier on this. Oh, Buzz loves it. Uh, I actually want to see it with the shorts and socks. Yeah. I, I, the jersey itself is cool. I like the pattern. Um, I I don't really understand. Like I know they're calling it one flag kit. I don't really understand why it, to me, if you're going to do something with a flag, that should probably be the, the Colorado flag. And, and they had that really cool uh, blue, white, and red away shirt with the, with the flag in the middle of it uh a few years ago but uh, i mean as as a jersey it's totally serviceable okay i think it's great i think this is one of the best jerseys in the league now it needed they're wearing it with maroon shorts instead of the blue shorts it needed the blue shorts. yeah it needed the blue shorts but and keep the maroon socks but the kit itself is phenomenal i love this kit are they at least wearing the um, light blue socks with the? No, it's maroon. Oh, see, maroon. that would look yeah. kick ass if you wore the top with the maroon shorts and the bluish socks. That would be a cool. Do the look. Chelsea? That would also be good. You that know? would be really yeah. cool. That would have been also. That's a good variation, but you know, one of the other two elements should have been the blue. Yeah, to really make it pop. I dig the design, and yeah. I just I agree that it needed something else in terms of shorts and socks. All right, 
everybody's called it the Charlie Brown kit, the Columbus crew. Um, <laughs> I think so it's the Charlie Brown kit. It is, but I'm yeah. fine with it. I think you embrace it. I think you call yourselves the Charlie Browns from now on. I uh, just call the team Peanuts. <laughs> yeah, that's their new nickname, the Peanuts. The I, Peanut I think Gang. I missed the trick by not by uh, actually. I should have flipped that pattern because then it would have matched the logo. Yeah, that's mm. true. Interesting. Okay. Good call. Uh, I like this one. I think the new DC United shirt is really sharp. I love the all black and the super bright red trim. I think the red pops on this, and I love the design in the in the black pattern. Yeah, totally agree. This is 100% on brand. It's well done. This is a great jersey. Well executed. Among black kits, having that really bright red really helps it. This is a tremendous kit. Yeah. Yeah, love it. Uh, I don't understand why a lot of people don't. They just don't like DC United. Okay, I've lived in Texas most of my life. I had no, I, and my wife is from Houston. I had no idea that purple is an official color of the city of Houston, like a secondary color for the city. Did you know this? No. That's where I've read that that's where the inspiration for going to a purple shirt as their secondary shirt comes from is because purple is in the city color scheme. I've never heard that before in my life. I haven't either. I believe it. I just have never heard that. That doesn't mean it's not. You know. The thing I don't like about it is that purple has not been in their color palette. They were all orange, black, and white and have been for since they redid their logo. So this is like a big departure. Now, I grant you that it's like maybe it's better than the black in terms of like a variety or something. But yeah. I mean, orange is their primary, so... Sport, I'm reading I'm from the press it. release. Sporting a bright purple, parentheses, the city's unofficial secondary color. Yeah, I don't, remember a, I don't remember a Houston team ever wearing purple before. Certainly not the Texans or the Oilers or the Rockets. I meant to ask my wife if she knew this. And... I mean, even the Astros tequila jersey, tequila sunrise jersey, is not purple. It's orange, yellow, and red. You know, so I don't... I, I, you know, I believe they're not making it up, but I just never, listen, I'm not a Houston guy. What do I know? So I, I think this is a bad kit. I mean, I don't like it. Well, I'm going to say this, like the Dallas kit, I think as a shirt, it's a cool design. I actually like the yellow, the orange and purple match as a shirt. I just Clemson. don't, as a Houston shirt, I don't like it. Yeah. It's off brand again. Oh, it, it's also very plain. It, um, yeah, I mean they're centering the entire design on on a color, hmm. another team's color. Yeah. yeah, and I mean it's well, but Dallas did that I, with the baby blue, and we love the powder blue jerseys. Whoa, what? Well, that that had that red and blue pattern in it as well. Yeah, that was a variation on the Ranger pattern more than it was somebody else's like Man City or something. But yeah, I mean at this point. Those jerseys are, have gone up to $150 without any kind of customization. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm not paying $150 of anyone's money for, uh, you know, for, for something that's that plain. Okay. Well, this isn't plain. Sporting Kansas City back at the Argyle with the diamond pattern. I like this shirt. I love the fact that they keep sticking with this Argyle diamond pattern thing. I wish they would do it more on a regular basis. Uh, I think this is a good looking shirt. Yeah, I totally agree. It's on brand. Again, brand, right? It's like this when you see this kit, 
if you follow this league at all, you know it's a sporting like, that's kid. That's Kansas City. Yeah, you know. It's like yeah. they nailed it. I, I'm with you. I wish they'd do it more, but like, you know, they the mix it in and out. That's fine. It's, you know, it's it's exactly on point when in the, in the sense of like the minute anyone that follows soccer here sees it. They yeah. Know, they know it is. It's a great kid. Yeah. Damn. I completely with you. I think it's, uh, you know, going back to a pattern that they've, they've used now for over a decade and and they've managed to do it in kind of a fresh way it's it's interesting and this is kind of a perfect example of like what i what what could have been at that houston one it is at its heart a very plain navy blue and sky blue jersey but they've added that subtle pattern in just to kind of make it interesting yeah and sticking with the theme and putting a twist on it, L.A. with their new Angelino kit, which is a negative space um, sash. And I like the three yellow stripes on the side and, the, and on the sleeve. I think this is a good-looking shirt. I like this one. Yeah, this is a progressive design for me in the sense that like they, they've kept the slash. They've kept the style, which is a mostly white jersey. It's a variation on that thing. That's good. You know, uh, I get distracted by the five stars over the logo, which annoys me. But, you know, can't help that. Didn't um, MLS say that they were going to a whole star structure where you got, once you got five, you went to a single giant gold star or something? They did it, then they went back on it. Oh, okay. Well, they do have one gold one and four white ones, but, you know, I don't know whether whatever the rules are on that. But, um, you know, for, for a variation on their brand, again, well done. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was cool. All right. Uh, when I first saw this, I thought this was going to be my favorite kit of the year. It's not It's not anymore, but it's still one of my favorites, the new LAFC black kit with the gold pinstripes. I'm not a fan of the pinstripes. Uh, if they were the same, that'd be great, but where they kind of... Uh, Thick and they thin. They have two varying styles. It just It always just looks a little bit messy every time I see a picture of it. Yeah, I would say to you, I would agree, because when I first saw it, I think I saw an illustration in versus a photo. So when I saw a photo and realized that the stripes were kind of a slight fade and versus a solid that did detract. That's probably part of the reason why it's not my favorite anymore, but I, I still like it in general. I agree with Dan saying about the pinstripe, the matching pinstripes would have been the same, but overall, Peter, I'm with you. I, I think this is a tremendous Jersey. I love this Jersey. This reminds me of the one of the, the favorite versions of the Dallas kits from the early days, what we call pin hoops. You know, the, yeah. we really liked, um, you know, I dance right about them not being the same all the way across. That, that would have been better, but this is an outstanding kit. See, I would have liked it probably more if they did kind of something like FC Dallas had with the, uh, with that 2016 pin hoop, uh, where it was actually the red was, was different shades of red in between. Yeah. If they did, you know, they've obviously had gray in the kit from uh, the art deco on the last one. Uh, if they kind of varied up, that the shading of the black in between the pinstripes that might have been, uh, okay. I don't know, just made it a little bit more palatable. All right, Miami in their pink thing. I think this. Oh, well, I'm in. I'm gonna. I'm gonna let you guys go first and see if you're gonna say what I'm thinking. I, I like that the pink is the brighter pink, and I personally like a centered logo. A lot of people do not. I like a centered logo. Um, this kit's a little boring, but like for a pink kit with black trim, it's perfectly fine. It's sort of middle of the pack for me. I think the thing that hurts is the last one was really cool. Uh, it was very totally plain. It had the nice fold over collar. It was a very, uh, you know, that that 
that lighter pink that the Inter Miami adopted in the first place. Uh, this this feels a little bit more. Suffers by comparison. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I I I don't like centered uh, logos in general. But I think what really hurts this, with it being a centered club crest, is the goofy sponsor uh, boat anchor. Yes. Um, yeah. Design underneath it, like it just it puts it makes everything so center heavy, uh, and then everything yeah. else is just a, an an ocean of pink, and it just all looks a little well, wonky to me. It's a little bit too symmetrical as well. The Adidas logo is a triangle. Yeah. The Miami crest is a circle. The anchor perfectly symmetrical. If you had like a, I don't know, a uh, well, if they just had a horizontal uh, sponsor of some sort to kind of underline it or something, I think that would have yeah. been better. Yeah, or even like you know, Minnesota United is like it just kind of like that that little bit of asymmetrical nature just kind of makes things a little less. Uh, I don't know, overly structured. Hmm. Okay. Well, you mentioned Minnesota United. And I gotta say, I am shocked at the number of people who think this is a kick-ass winning kit. I was with them until I saw that Adidas actually used the exact same print in a different color on another jersey, and the other jersey did it better. What color was it in the other jersey? I do not remember. Okay. I am a hypocrite. Oh no! Because You're gonna tell me you like this? I think that the FC Dallas Starry Night kit was utter bonkers trash, and it I, was. I like this one. Well, this one's actually executed, unlike that one. Maybe that's the difference. I like this one. Okay. I, I'll, uh, you're uh, this. Is, I mean, if we're looking at a shirt that is supposed to represent the Starry Night, yeah. then yes, this is. I mean, Dallas's was bad, and this is better. But I don't like bit kits, and this is a bit kit. Uh, it's totally. I I agree. That's why I'm a hypocrite. I totally hate bit kits. I like this one. All right. I, I, I don't like, know why. As far as a bit kit, the North Star is. You know, is a big feature of their logo. Uh, so kind of having having a kit surrounding that is is nice. Uh, that trim that's that kind of runs down the side and the back. I think it has. Uh, is this like supposed the North Star in French, which is a really nice touch if you want to go to that kind of like micro level. Yeah. Is this going to be their primary? Uh, I think they're. Oh one yeah, is... no, it says this. Yeah, their primary jersey, which means they're away getting away from the gray, the dark gray. I. That the the other one out. is that one that's is white on the bottom and it has pink and powder yeah. blue on the top, which is yeah. a terrible kit. But I like this one. Okay. Yeah. Well, I love me a racing stripe off an offset racing stripe design, and Montreal has that. So in my book, this is a giant win. Yeah, I, I knew you were going to love this one because this is like that Spain kit that you love, and the, the there's a couple of people that have had a kit just like this one. It's a good. As white kits go, I don't hate this one. This one's okay for me because of the same reason that stripe through the it, logo. It's blue. It's what? It's not white. It's not solid white with a blue. It's a, like a soft blue. Oh my god! I'm gonna, gonna send you a picture of it. It's oh, I found it. Not white. Oh, never mind. I hate this thought kit. This is awful. Oh, oh wow! It. it is a like a light blue, isn't it? I did I not know white. this. I did too. Yeah, the main header photo, like of all the stuff, it looks very white. It's not yeah, white. MLS has just put weird filters on them all again. That is awful. No, that's beautiful. 
You think it's beautiful? That's my favorite color. Oh, okay. Which well, is, is a big bias. But I also really like the way they did that stripe. I think it just looks really, you know, the feathering on it looks really I, cool. The I don't, stripe is great. I, I don't like it any more or less than I did when I thought it was white. I was just surprised to find out that it's not white. <laughs> I can't crazy stand it me. not being white. This blue on yeah. blue, I don't like. All right. I was all in when I thought it was not all in. I thought I liked it better <laughs> when I thought it was white. Uh, man, talk about a shirt I do not like. The new Nashville jersey. Looks dumb. Oh, I mean, it's a nice throwback to when they had those uh, Under Armour ones in was it USL it or just, NASL? I don't it remember, just but... looks like it looks like a, a kit out of a catalog. Yeah, yeah. I mean that that is a throwback to a kit that was out of a catalog. Yeah, and the but the bar is Chicago's bit. Now the thing they did change to was blue pants. Blue shorts, which I've said all along. Oh, they should have been yellow socks, yeah. blue shorts, yellow socks. So I'm excited about that. Been saying that they also they... changed the blue. Oh, did they? Yeah, yeah this is a lighter blue than be. they've been wearing, it appears. Yeah. Like a more of a royal blue versus a navy blue. Yeah, I, the kit itself is not a great execution, but full credit for doing the yellow, blue, blue shorts, yellow socks that I've been saying since they were founded that they should have done. Because they needed a differentiation from Columbus's solid yellow. Okay. Uh, what do we think of the new New England Revolution Marvel kit? Love it. Yeah, it's, it's fine. I'm not yeah. I'm not a lead on it. I think it's fine. Yeah. Okay. I kind of like the the dotted uh, stripes. Yeah. I, I don't understand why it's called a Boston Tea Party kit, but it's a really cool cool shirt. I know that's a problem in your history, Dan, and you probably you know have a negative bias towards talking about the Boston Tea Party, but and what it means to your country. But jack shit. If these, if these, if the stripes were horizontal, it'd be a great burn kit. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. Yeah, no, I just mean like, uh, you know, like when they did the uh, whatever they called, uh, whatever it was called, but it was that one that had like the light blue, and it was like the Continental Army uniform or the or the officers' uniform. Yeah. And it was 100% in the theme. I don't understand. Yeah, I don't know why they're calling. Yeah, I, I don't either. I, I am totally with you. Uh, this is insane, and I love it. The Red Bull kit. Beautiful. Great Metro throwback. Uh, you know, I hadn't even thought about that, but you're right. It is. All right. Now that you've said that, I can buy it. Because I was saying it's a gimmick kit. I hate it. I think it's awful. But I sort of... If you want to say it's a Metro Slovak, okay, I can sort of see that. I don't think well, it's a bit I mean, kit. Don't forget, like, New York Red Bull fans have been crying out for a white and black stripe or a red-black stripe for, what, yeah. since about 2006 when they got, you know, they had that really nice one that was about to be used and then the, the sale happened and they changed it. Yeah, yeah. This to me looks like a you know a, whatever the new pattern you've made up with. You're gonna have this one weird pattern in your catalog that there's like eight versions of this black with every other color. You know, kit. if that was blue instead of red, that'd make an amazing San Jose Earthquakes kit. Yeah. Oh my gosh, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Because that's the earthquake symbol on the thing. Yeah. Yes, I don't like this kit at all. I think it's terrible. All right. NYCFC, despite the fact that in general it looks like a garbage bag, I do love the fact that it's split orange on one half and the trim on the other side is light blue. I dig that a lot. It's a good way to spice up a black kit. It's nice. Yeah. Clean. Um, it's 
kind of trying to make the most out of not a lot, right? Yeah, middle of the pack, clean, fine. Okay. Yeah. All right, here we go. Now, I've predicted them earlier today as um, MLS Cup champions this season. But somebody tell me that this shirt, please tell me that this shirt is a light purple and it is not pink. It is light purple. Oh, thank God. Okay, now I like it a lot more. Because obviously I love it for its throwback USL Orlando City Crest, the use of that, which, by the way, was another thing that I liked about the Austin kit was that they used the secondary logo. I meant to mention that. But I do like this. If, in fact, this is purple, I've seen too many photos of it where it looks Miami pink, and I just want to scream if that's what it was. But if you're telling me that it is, in fact, a light purple, I think this is a winner of a kit. I think it's the, the what I think is red trim or orange trim is making you think it's pink. Because it's definitely more purple. Okay. There, there are actually there are a couple of pictures out there where it looks really it, pink. It does. I know. I've seen it. I thought that's got to be a bad filtering or a bad photo. What do I, you think of it, Dan? Um, I mean, I, I like it. This is weirdly probably the only shirt I think looks better as a replica than a uh, an authentic because the sleeve trim doesn't match the collar and the collar is what came from the original jersey it was that you know that really light purple uh the, the deeper purple white and, and red uh it, it's a cool throwback um a little like the new hook city thing it's weird to do a throwback to something that was within the last decade but um here we are um I mean, I don't like it as a jersey, but I, I like the concept of it. Okay. Uh, uh, you can let me say what I think. Oh, I thought you did. I'm sorry, Buzz. No, I hate it. Why? Because the kit that they just got rid of is perhaps the greatest kit in MLS history. And this That's thing true. is trash, comparatively speaking. Uh, they had that They had that purple sunburst. Thing oh yeah, that right. Was that was so a good gorgeous. Kit. Yeah, that was. I, and I will kit. tell you that it was one of the very, very few kits from another team I've ever bought in my life in this league, because that jersey is so beautiful. This Ooh, is. I wonder if Fanatics awful. on sale. Yeah, I bought it at the end of the season when it was twenty bucks. Uh, this is an this by comparison. This is. I mean, listen. I get the the old logo. That's fun, but for me, the execution on this is just pales, pales, pales in comparison now stunningly great the one they're replacing it was so that seems very unfair to this particular kit buzz it, it may be unfair but sometimes comparison matters and uh i'm not a fan all right i hated the original philly union uh solid center vertical stripe design Fake i re i really like this though yep this is well done in the sense of like it, it goes again it goes back to their brand of that thing that center channel that IX style center channel yeah you know with with like a little variation on it it has the digitalized sort of gradient that we've seen in some of these kits this year so it follows that MLS theme the trims are nice yeah this is well done if this is your if this is your kit it's well done I like that the diamonds aren't all they aren't just one color like there's a mix of the silver and the blue or whatever that other color is of I the think it's I think this is the snake skin motif yeah. with their snake snake logo. Oh, uh, yeah. I dig that. I dig it a lot. What do you think, Dan? Uh yeah. I, I like it. I like they kept to that that kind of you know, snaky look. Um it it was a really good execution of of that that center stripe um 
yeah, I, I like that that they've got away from that whole just like blue and and gold because the uh, the old gold was a little bit boring. Um, yeah, I, I like it. It's, it's, it's solid. And maybe for the first time in their MLS history, I'm not a fan of the Portland Timbers kit. Um, it's this is an a improvement bit over the grandmother's curtains, I think. Yeah, not massively, fair. but uh, okay. I like the pine needles, so I think that's kind of fun. But that's about it. I don't. I, yeah, I think I would have been fine with the pine needles if they had carried it through the shirt and not made it like this weird trim thing like all of the white space in the middle with the with the pine needles around the edges just i don't know it just it doesn't make any sense to me i I almost feel like this would have been a better concept if they'd have held this till the next green kit and gone heavy on the pine needles like as a to make it solid green and like make that your dark kit by overloading it with the pine needles and just not try to like cram it in on the sides of a light colored kit Mm. that might have been better yeah um, Real Salt Lake. Love it. Yeah, it's really good. Uh, 2017 FC Dallas. That is how you do a state flag. Yes. Yeah. 100% agree. Yeah. Do we know what color shorts they're wearing with it? Uh, do not. Usually it's blue, I think, isn't it? I don't really remember, yeah. to be fair. Yeah. I mean, that's typically what they wear is a, yeah. It'd be interesting if they wore it with like yellow shorts. Oh, well, looks like. that's their other kits yellow. They're always oh, that that yellow, yellow, yellow color. Okay. Huh. So they that, when they could do that, they could borrow those yellow shorts. It's that weird mustardy kit, the one they yeah. have. That's kind of, you know, yeah, it's well done. It's a good execution. Dan, do you, do you like it? Did you say? Uh, yeah, I absolutely love it. I'm actually, I was trying to look for. Uh, any pictures that show the shorts? Uh, so they're going to have the cobalt shorts and claret socks with the yellow Ooh. trim on both. That'll nice. look nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah that will it look looks nice. Really, really nice. No, that's better than Dallas's with the red socks. That really helps. Yeah. All right, San Jose have unveiled yet another white away, you know, secondary kit. And the only thing that's redeeming about this in my mind is that they're using the old Quakes logo from the USL days. Yeah, agree. Um, which seems like a like a, a like a last second thought of how could we make this better? <laughs> and I am interested in the conversation about where the idea of some of these clubs using secondary logos and or throwback logos started and came from i thought that's that's kind of I'd, I'd love to know the history or the background on that you so, might like the cool sort of satin 70s style quakes jacket that one of the guys has on on mls that that's kind of cool oh there. i see that yeah yeah interesting yeah that is cool i do like with the uh the the quake shirt that they have they've made use of that um that little side stripe to make it black and then have the white the white bordering kind of to look like the uh, the the early 70s jerseys mm. like when uh, I think when George Best was there right <laughs> drinking heavily well, <laughs> well I mean but ultimately if you're gonna do a throwback then at least do it right right yeah for sure all right I'm interested in both of y'all's opinions on the new Seattle Sounders anniversary kit and somewhat of a rebrand. 
Well, rebrand aside, best kit in the league this year. Yes. Yeah. I hated it at first from the uh, the leak, but I think when you see it with the shorts and socks, it just looks phenomenal. I hate the logo. The logo is dog shit, but the shirt, I think just it, it I mean, I don't know if it's if it looks like a throwback Seattle Sounders anything, but it looks like a 1980s, like, really fantastic kit. I know it's going to drive a lot of the curious nuts, but I am going to complete the trifecta of celebrating how awesome this shirt is. And when you put it with the blue shorts... And white socks. And white socks, yep. it's farting amazing. This <laughs> may be... This instantly rockets up to one of my all-time favorite shirts in MLS and kits in MLS history. This is this is amazing. And I really honestly hope... I know this is a throwback to the you know 50 years and everything. I hope that Seattle sticks with this color theme of this blue and this green and the white after this season. I gotta say as well, uh, you know, we were talking about that FC Dallas pinstripe with the uh, the the different reds. Seeing the the further out photos of of this jersey, that blue doesn't stick out nearly as much as as it did from the previews. It, it kind of fades in a little bit with that darker green around it, and just makes it look like an old school double pinstripe. This yeah. this is how important your shorts and socks are. If you have that same green in as shorts and socks, this kit sucks. I yes. agree. By yes. having the blue and the white, it also, so you're breaking it up. It has the you know the variations. Like this is again coming back to FC Dallas. If you take any FC Dallas kit of the last six or seven years, the the home ones, and you pair them with white shorts instead, it it's a thousand times better across the board. And this is a perfect example of why that's true. Right. If, if we had like and look at any of the photos from the academy when they wear the white shorts with the, with the home uniform, this is oh, just like gorgeous. Twenty sixteen to yeah, twenty seventeen. Yeah, it's twenty seventeen uh, when they wore the white shorts because of Castillo turning up at the media day with the wrong shorts, and then yeah. the next year when they went back to the red and it, the jersey just didn't look as good. It's so yeah, it's so much better when you have some contrast. Yeah, God, I hate fucking Seattle. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's honestly one of the probably the best run franchise in the league, honestly. It's ah, ridiculous. Such a good kit. Yep. Good lord. All right. Seattle threw out their white shirt or not Seattle. St. Louis throws out a white shirt with that cherry candy red kind of color. Uh yeah. I know it's got some sort of thumbprint design in the background. It's pretty plain. Is that what the waves are? Is it a thumbprint? Is that what that is? It's another one where don't look at the MLS preview picture because they over, uh, you know, removed so much of the contrast that, oh, sorry, no, they just over uh, brightened it that yes. you, you can barely see that pattern. The pattern's actually pretty visible in the jersey, which is the only thing that salvages it. Uh, yeah, it's not a very good kit for me. Yeah, it's bad. Um, all right. I think everybody generally, uh, this is the shirt that everybody's crapped on the most, which is the uh, Toronto white thingamajig. I'm not 100% sure why. I, It's just a white shirt to me. I don't know why everybody hates this so much. It's just boring. I mean, have they, have they just completely given up as a franchise on doing anything interesting? I mean, they got a secondary logo, I guess. That's kind of interesting. I mean, that, that's part of the problem. They, uh, the, the secondary logo is crap. Uh, they they don't have the best logo in the league, but 
that that secondary is a is a pretty bad downgrade. And then to just weirdly repeat that shield, that very generic shield on, on the jersey is just weird. And then um, the the whole GTA kit thing, um, it I've definitely heard from people from Toronto that GTA isn't necessarily as common a phrase as the club is trying to uh, say it is. GTA yeah. stands for what? Greater Global Toronto, Toronto area. area? Oh, glo- yeah. Global. Well, it's supposed to be greater, but on the jersey, they've put global. Huh. Okay. I guess it's like saying DFW, GTA, yeah. Greater Toronto Area or something, okay. I guess. Well, I that, but that's it, but they're calling it Global Toronto Area. So it'd be like DFW, Dallas fucking Worth. Hmm. Yeah. Doesn't make sense. And last but not least, Vancouver with a new secondary shirt. I'm just going to say I, I, this is my favorite color combination, navy blue with yellow and white, and I think this is a really sharp. I know it's really plain, but I think it's just a solid, solid kit. I'd like to know what they're going to wear for shorts. It looks like the same blue shorts, which is kind of a bummer because this would look kick-ass with white shorts or the matching gold or whatever, or something to contrast it, but I do like the shirt in general. This is an example of a simple execution that actually works. You know, it, it is modeled on a on a on a throwback. You know, so like they they sort of were limited in the sense of like this 50 anniversary or whatever. You know that they were trying to replicate. But you know, uh, you're right that the the navy and blue uh, is a really nice navy and blue navy and white and yellow is a really nice combination. I really like that color pattern too. Um, so it's a it's a you know for a team that is usually um, a relatively solid top. You know, and they, and their their home kit. Is one of the best when they have the white with the bar and the red numbers on it. That's really really good. So if if they keep up the the alterations where they've had white shorts with it, if they keep that up, or or maybe even yellow this time, that'll look really good. But I think the pictures are showing them with navy. Although they do have white socks with it, Peter, which is uh, really help. Yeah, give, give it a little sure, Chelsea, yeah. a little some little vibe for you there. So the, the white socks is a nice change if they can keep that. But um, you know, well executed, simple pet shirt. For sure. Well, I'm gonna disappoint you both. Yeah, I hate it. Oh, you think it's boring? Um, I don't understand it. Uh, Vancouver had what they for a, for 50 years ago, their jersey was white and red. It wasn't mm. navy blue, so oh, I don't okay. really understand where that comes from. Uh, oh. I mean, we all think of the. I just assumed. Of, I, I just assumed this was a throwback to yeah. whatever they were wearing wearing fifty years ago. Interesting. I did too because it's even called like the fiftieth something. The fifty um, jersey is what they're calling yeah, but, it. But but it's not. I mean, it is their fiftieth anniversary of the the original Whitecaps. But uh, I think most people think of that nineteen seventy nine onwards. Uh, which they've obviously done a lot with the the blue band or the reverse with the the blue with the white band, uh, which they've had a couple of phenomenal executions of. I own one of those. It you know like buzzers, you know it's one of those times where you're like, oh, I'm going to buy another team's jersey. It's that good. Uh, I just don't understand where this navy yellow and and white comes from. Yeah, Dan's right. Looking back at the pictures in '79, they had that um, bar that was a blue top with the white the bar, you know, and white yeah, shorts. Before though, that, so. it was it was white, uh, white with red, and I I just don't understand where because uh, back then the the white caps logo was a red soccer ball with the maple leaf inside. It wasn't yeah. 
Well, so. fair criticism then. Still a good execution of a simple design, but fair criticism. Well, it still will never get close to the greatest kit they ever had, which was the brown one. Oh, that's a great kit. Yeah. God, that kit that's was awesome. Kit. And I wish I had bought yeah. one back at the time. That's a top 10 MLS all time. They, they've had yes. some really cool away kits. You know, they've had yeah. like the execution of the of the uh, the band. They had that when uh, when Blas Perez signed from that top to bottom gradient that kind of shit all over the version of that that the US national teams tried to to do. Um they've just yeah, they've had some phenomenal ones. So it's kind of like it's it's another one for me that it's it doesn't keep up with that high standard. It you know, in a vacuum, yeah, that's that's a cool kit. Uh, that would make a a great Philadelphia um, alternate, but that's fair. Say Whitecaps to me. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Yep. Overall, I would say that this has been a good year for shirt designs. Absolutely. And, uh, man, we're so far away from everybody just getting a white shirt. <laughs> um, I'm relieved about that. It was so bad, if you remember. Yes. Yeah. Well, you know, wasn't that long ago. No. <laughs> uh, for sure. All right. Any other last-second kit thoughts before we wrap this up? What, what do you all think of the goalkeeper jerseys? Uh, I like the black one. Okay, I, I'm. I was surprised to see how many people have said they really like just all of them. Uh, I've only seen photos, and I guess I saw a little bit of both of them in the Miami Saint uh, Real Salt Lake game last night, and they didn't stand out to me one way or the other. Dan, maybe I'll just have to pay closer attention. All I want to know is Martin Paz wearing an all black kit with red gloves again this year, because that's the most kick ass. Yeah, I believe so. Keeper get up, you could possibly imagine. That was awesome last year. He did tell me it's his favorite uh, combination, but the gloves just happened to be a coincidence. No. Well, tell him to keep going with it. All right. Well, boys. I got one, one tiny was... little thing. Oh, sorry. Yeah. So I went, I, I told you I watched the North Texas scrimmage the other day. They had a trialist there that somebody I know recognized. Dan, I was going to see if you know this name. He's from Bristol City. His name is Duncan. Uh, sorry, I I Denon I D E H E N Duncan and Denon. He's from Bristol City. Um, he's been on loan for a couple other teams, and apparently he's a he's British, but he's got from Nigerian descent. Anyway, he was he's at North Texas on trial. Um, he's like twenty years old, so I just thought it was an off chance Dan might know him because um, somebody I knew no recognized him. I was like, oh, that's so and so from Bristol City. I was like, oh, okay. So I wrote it down. Anyway, uh, tiny thing. Just want to throw that out there. Say I do. Okay. He was with Carlisle United a little on loan. And is it Yeovletown? Yeovletown? How do I say that? Yeovletown. Buzz, do you think everybody in England knows each other? No, but Dan is a <laughs> soccer you know, follower of... I didn't know, mean, does he know him personally? Oh, I just okay. mean, does he recognize him as a player? <laughs> yeah. It is a small country, Peter. I mean... It is a tiny little place. Yeah, yeah. for sure. <clears throat> All right. Well... Boys, well done. Dan, it's great to have you back. I'm glad we uh, waited to record this so that you could participate in all of the fun. And uh, and just in case you were wondering, I felt like you guys deserved something out of that game against United. So, oh, Me too. Me too. Uh, I mean, some, some referee decisions or something. Anything. Okay. Uh, and Buzz, thank you, sir. Here we go. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. Season 27. Also, shout out to our new podcast sponsor. 
We have a new sponsor? Yeah. Yeah. Who? It's on the read. Uh, Kevin Linsom Law Firm. Oh, very nice. Good deal. How many thousands of dollars is he paying you a week to do this? $265,000 a year to... No, (laughs) obviously not. (laughs) Wow, the Kevin Lindstrom law firm is really kicking ass these days. What kind of kind of business is that guy cranking same, out? Same rate as a soccer ninety, so all's good. All right, are we ever going to get to a point where we see Kevin Lindstrom ads on yeah. uh, late night on local television? <laughs> I don't know, like That's we do Kevin. with Ben Abbott. <laughs> Myself, Kevin, different kind of law, but yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I couldn't imagine Kevin ever. Being as as grating as the uh, that Texas Hammer idiot, yeah, and his <laughs> weird looking kid, yeah, the Texas Hammer, the Texas Hammer. Third degree. The podcast is brought to you by Soccer90.com. Explore their vast collection of STD Premier League national team gear. They got all the stuff: jerseys, hats, scarves, tees. Soccer 90 has all you need. Check out the FC Dallas Afterburner kit and new North Texas kit as well. 20% exclusive discount in-store and online for third-degree listeners. Use code third-degree in-store, online, code third-degree, 20% off. Some exclusions apply. And this episode of Third Degree, the podcast, is brought to you by Lindstrom Law Firm. For wills, trusts, probate, and business law, call 469-515-2559 or visit lindstromlawfirm.com for a free consultation. All right, guys. Well, everybody, have fun this weekend. Here's the uh, here's we'll all just go into a new season filled with hope and excitement and anticipation that maybe this, maybe this, the 29th year is the year for Football Club Dallas. Go burn, boys! Thank you very much, and thank you, FC Dallas Curious, for listening. We will speak to you next week on another episode of Third Degree, the podcast. And saw so, yeah. Awesome shit. Third degree, the third degree net podcast. Third degree, the third degree net podcast. Third degree, the third degree net podcast. Third degree, the third degree net podcast.